I think that's really important because as leaders, I think we look to ourselves to solve all of these challenges. And yet without input from the team, are you presenting the right solution? Is that really going to have the impact that you're hoping for? And so I think it's critical that you have to solicit the input from your team. Hello, and welcome to the Talent Acquisition Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Dull, and on this show, we interview today's industry leaders in talent acquisition to discuss challenges, best practices, and what the future holds. If you are working in talent acquisition and have always wanted to sit down with your peers at other companies to exchange ideas and learn, well, this show is the next best thing. Join us each week as we bring you a new expert interview and extract their expertise. This episode is brought to you by Sagemark HR. Transform your recruiting practices with leading-edge technology. Selecting the right recruiting solutions to enable your strategy is one of the biggest challenges leaders face today. You know technology will help, but searching all the options to find out what will work best for your specific needs can be both overwhelming and time-consuming. At Sagemark HR, we make selecting the right recruiting technology easy. Our proven process has helped companies such as 3M, Comcast, Stryker, Walgreens, and many more. Reach out to us at Sagemark HR for a free consultation to learn how we can help you improve results with less stress and confidently change from reacting to leading. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Talent Acquisition Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Dull. Today, I have a fun conversation with Susan Burke. Susan is the VP of TA for Peace Health. Susan, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ryan. I appreciate you having me. I'm honored to join the ranks of the amazing TA leadership professionals that you have had on your podcast. Oh, that's great. Thank you for that. No, I'm excited about our conversation. So let's jump in and talk a little bit about your background. How did you get started in talent acquisition and what are some roles that you've held leading up to your current role? Yeah, you bet. Unlike a lot of folks that have ended up in talent acquisition, I actually have a degree that has an emphasis on human resources. And I thought, well, I'm going to work in HR as a generalist. That was my goal coming out of college. I thought, okay, this will be an interesting career. And my husband, frankly, got a job as a recruiter. He graduated with a degree in computer science. And in those days, I'm completely dating myself. If you could speak tech, they wanted you to be a tech recruiter. And so we moved to a different state. And uh, I went to work for the same organization as a receptionist in their office, thinking, well, these folks place HR professionals with other organizations. And so what a great way when you're new to a, a community to learn about the organizations that were in that area and maybe where I might get placed as an HR generalist. Well, again, I'm dating myself. So these were the days when you would load up the fax machine over the weekend, run a, a job ad in your local newspaper, and come in Monday morning to faxed resumes. And that was all well and good. But I realized the one computer in the office that had internet access allowed me to source resumes off the internet. So I started doing that as part of my receptionist job. And they shared an office with another branch of the same organization that was focused on telecommunications professionals. And they offered me a job as a recruiter. So I had that crossroads of, nice. huh, well, I thought I was going to be a journalist, but I got offered a position as a recruiter. So that was my first foray into recruiting. And as I love to say, I think when you get into recruiting, you either love it and you stay in it almost 27 years later, 
or you don't and you find a different career. I'm famous for saying I have a lot of friends who are realtors and that is also a great thing to do, but maybe recruiting wasn't their thing. So through my career, of course, I've had a variety of positions. I've worked in high tech, low tech, anywhere in between. And I've now spent the last about eight and a half years in healthcare. So that's the space I'm in today is the healthcare industry, uh, which for me felt like a homecoming. My mom was a nurse early on in my career in high school and college. I was a patient registrar, so it felt like home and very much still feels like home. So I get to do talent acquisition in the healthcare space, which is, I think, a really great fit for me and for my skill set. Yeah, that sounds great. Thank you for sharing that. So let's get a little bit about your current role at Peace Health. So if you wouldn't mind sharing for the audience a little bit around the scope. So a little bit about Peace Health as an organization, the size of the organization, the size of maybe your team, number of roles that that you fill on a year, some of those types of things to help scope out your responsibility at Peace Health. Yeah, that sounds good. So Peace Health is a Northwest US-based healthcare system. We span three states. So that would be Alaska, Oregon, and Washington. And I currently sit in Oregon, even though we're headquartered out of Washington, just the other side of the Oregon border. We have 16,000 caregivers and we refer to everyone as a caregiver, whether you are caring for patients or caring for one another or your communities. Everyone here is a caregiver. Uh, We are a faith-based, mission-driven, not-for-profit organization. So, of course, that uh, shapes the scope of sometimes what we do within talent acquisition. We do have currently a team of 63 on our talent acquisition team. We fill roughly 4,000 or so external hires, and we manage over 5,000, closer to 6,000 internal transfers on an annualized basis. And the team is responsible for general talent acquisition, executive recruitment, provider recruitment, and all of our contingent staffing. So we have recruiters that are focused in all those different areas, even including locum tenens, contractors, more recent strike coverage, you name it, we cover it under the talent acquisition umbrella. And so it's mostly recruiters, coordinators, and then we also have a team of talent pool development specialists, which are geared towards uh, sourcing currently skilled talent, but then also focused on how do we develop future talent pools from which we can hire into the future, since certainly that's one of our biggest concerns at the moment. So it's a pretty broad team. They have a lot on their plates and they are a, I would say small, but mighty, I think compared to a lot of TA organizations, that's probably a little larger of an organization, but we are resourced properly for the work that we would do. I think some of our team members will tell you we could use a few more team members, but who doesn't say that, right? (laughs) Yeah, that, that's absolutely fair. So that, that's great. Thanks for sharing that. Let's talk a little bit about maybe a few of the team's accomplishments or challenges and how they overcame them over the last couple of years. Yeah, I think the more recent one, like a lot of talent acquisition organizations, and especially in healthcare, is that we really have some pressure on reducing expenses, on making sure we're as lean as we possibly can be. And so as a result of that, we did have our own reduction in force earlier this year. But more importantly, we reorganized the team to help reduce the silos. So as I mentioned, we have responsibility for general talent acquisition, as well as provider recruitment, which has a wide variety of nuances and differences between those two. And we had some teams that were really focused on either or both of those. Now we're really working towards, yes, you have a specialty that is focused, say, on provider recruitment, but you are part of the broader team. So we've been really working towards being one talent acquisition organization, allowing our talent pool development function, for example, to be able to support the full organization. So that's one 
one of the biggest things we're going through as a team. We also just recently, November 1st, launched our first relocation program, which sounds simple, but it's not something Peace Health had in place prior. Uh, we were using lump sums and now actually have a full relocation program that we're hoping, of course, helps increase our uh, offer acceptance rates. We also, in the last probably year or so, generally reduced the reliance on travel nurses across the full footprint. So our organization is responsible for helping to save multi-millions on a monthly basis for not using the travel nurses that we were so reliant on during the COVID pandemic. I think I mentioned earlier that our contingent staffing team also was involved in strike coverage recently. So with a 10-day notice, they were able to successfully uh, bring on some folks. And then with support of our corporate office employees, we were able to help cover most of that work for a good five or six business days, which is not the easiest thing to do. But I can tell you, it was also a wonderful learning experience for those of us who maybe don't work in our hospital facilities daily basis. And then I think the biggest thing that I'm really proud of this team for doing is over the last 10 months, just in the Oregon network, we had a goal to fill a large number of nursing positions. And we were able to increase our hiring by 41% compared to the 12 months prior to those last 10 months. I think the really important thing about that is as we walked in, we were given a goal. So they gave us a number of uh, hires we should achieve during that 10 months. Uh, we came darn close, I'll tell you. We hit about 90% of that goal, didn't quite get there. But I think we all knew it was a stretch goal in the beginning. But what happened about halfway through that project is we also realized that the original goal we were given was not the right goal. So the way they had determined that goal was by number of travelers that we had. And then they had added an annualized uh, first year turnover percentage based on national averages. And that was our target. The challenge with that is we missed the fact that we had all of these other nurses already on board. You do have attrition for that. We also talked through, well, does fully staffed mean all beds open at all times? And the answer to that is actually no. It's based upon average daily census and budget numbers, which doesn't always mean that it's all beds open all the time. And so there are a wide variety of things that we realized had not been covered in the initial goal. And as we raised our hands and said, we're not really sure that this is the right number, our business partners agreed with us. And we were able to come to the table with our chief nursing officer for the system, with the chief nursing officer for Oregon, with a variety of our business partners and reassess what was really needed. So we now have a brand new goal that we are working towards through the end of fiscal year 24, which ends in June for us next year. It is much more realistic. It is grounded in budget and average daily census. And for us, it's really helped improve the credibility of talent acquisition. We've been able to show we are doing literally everything to fill those positions. There is no one thing that is the solution to fill all of these roles. It takes a wide variety of different strategies and techniques to do that. And we've really shifted the focus from not just the recruitment side of the house, but also the retention side of the house. So it has become that full strategy of what are we looking at, not just recruitment, but how do we structure our shifts so that more people want to work those shifts? How do you structure those days? What about international recruitment for longer term fills? What about using gig worker solutions where people just pick up a shift, even if they don't necessarily work for us? So there are all sorts of things that are now on the table as we think about the entire workforce plan versus just the original goal of go fill nurses in the Oregon network. So I'm really proud of our team for that. I'm really proud of the ability for us to improve our credibility through that partnership and working that project. Yeah, that's a great example. I love how you started out by really clarifying the target and really diving into 
all right, what is the goal? What is the target? Does this make sense for the business? And then going back and then recalibrating that based on your team's analytics. I think that um, is excellent and shows the high degree of business acumen and, and business partnership for the organization. So that's really a great story. What are some of the things that you did? A 41% increase in, in hiring volume is significant, definitely, for this the team, as well as you talked about cost reduction measures on top of that as well, which adds more pressure to that. Right. So what are some examples of some of the things that, that you did that you're comfortable sharing with the audience? Yeah, you bet. So I think the fun thing about this particular project as an example is that when you're replacing travelers, there is ROI in that. And so the good news is we got to try a lot of things we had never tried before. So there are some newer players on the scene within nurse recruitment that are flipping the script a little bit. So instead of nurses applying to us, we sort of apply to those nurses and multiple organizations are doing that. So we added that as an opportunity with our kind of original goal of thinking, well, gosh, if we hire 10 people that way, we would be thrilled. So far, we've hired 11. So we're exceeding that number. But again, this is not one of those one thing is going to fix this. We also started a national marketing campaign. So here's a great example of not everything will be fruitful. <laughs> so as we started the national campaign, I think we said to our leaders, yes, yeah, we understand why you want to do this. And we are a Pacific Northwest based healthcare system that sits in three states. And therefore, people who are in in Florida will likely not know who we are. And so we did some marketing around, you know, where grit meets heart, kind of the why would you want to live in the Pacific Northwest? We did have some success from it, but I wouldn't again say that was probably our ongoing strategy. And yet it was also necessary to be able to say we have tried literally everything we can to try to help people to want to come and take these positions in the Pacific Northwest. We also advertised our uh, student loan repayment program. We are, as I mentioned, starting up international recruitment. So that's on our list of things we're starting now. The relocation program was a result of all of this work. So we said one of our biggest challenges is housing in the area and helping people with their relocation expense. So that actually came from this particular project, but is now something that we are doing system-wide that allows us to be able to recruit people in maybe a different way than we did before. And we partner with other agencies. Unfortunately, that also wasn't for the most part fruitful. And I think because we were doing all of our own marketing, we're doing everything, right? So everyone is on all of the job boards. Yes, they're not the greatest, but sometimes that's still where we we need to be. We're all doing all of the geofencing, the text messaging, the direct sourcing, all of the things that you need to do. Plus the college recruitment. We have a large residency cohort that we start in Oregon. So we're also partnering with local colleges. You name it. If it's in your tool belt, we tried it <laughs> for sure. And we have a lot of lessons learned. We're now going back and looking at some of those dollars spent and saying, here's what was most fruitful that we will keep doing. Here are the things. Yes, it was worth a try. We're not going to do that again. Sure. So it was a great opportunity to just try some things we haven't had the dollars and resources to be able to try in the past. Yeah, that's important to get those key learnings and do the analysis <laughs> and then determine like, okay, where do we want to avoid spending money in the future? And where can we double down? Because it did actually deliver some good results. Exactly. That's a healthy business practice for sure. So great. Let, let's talk about as, as you start looking into 2024 and beyond. So with that behind you or as part of the initiatives that you have been working on, what are some new things that you're looking at going forward or some of the new initiatives that you're looking at? 
Yeah, I think, of course, the last couple of years, we've been highly focused, hyper-focused, I would say, on nurse recruitment, because that was the big hot button. That's where most of the travelers were used throughout the pandemic in healthcare. And so as we now look forward, our strategies are shifting a little bit. Yes, nurse recruitment is still critical. Yes, we still have retention challenges. We don't have enough nurses in the U.S. to be able to hire for all of our positions. That's true for pretty much everyone in healthcare. And at the same time, we have some other roles within the healthcare organization that are becoming just as tough, if not tougher. And so this year, we're focused more on the strategies for recruiting outside of nursing. So now we're talking about laboratory services or diagnostic imaging. Our CT techs are in uh, super high demand right now. And we use travelers in some of those positions too, looking at how do we help the organization to be sustainable for the long haul. And the answer is not travelers. It certainly is hiring those FTEs to our staff. So we're really focused on shifting those strategies that way. And then we have lots of other things we're working on too. So uh, we're working on some vendor selection for an RFI that we have going for workforce solutions around our contingent staffing, which does include the travelers and the contractors, but also locum tenants. And then thinking about that gig worker solution. So we've got an RFI happening for that. Uh, we're really working on optimizing and enhancing our TA reporting. One thing I think most of us have learned is the more transparency you have in your process, the more credibility you have the opportunity to build. And so where a leader says to you, well, gosh, it's taking too long to fill my position and you have the data to say, ah, actually, it's not. And here's some benchmarks nationally. And here's where we think the real bottleneck is. Or you're right, it is taking us too long in this space and therefore we need a different strategy. And so working through optimizing and enhancing our reporting and that availability with our leaders is on our uh, critical roadmap. We're also working now towards a launch of a new workforce management platform which has some implications for talent acquisition as well. And that is launching in 2025. So we've got lots of work to do to try to help support that launch. Uh, we're also launching for us a, a talent acquisition DEI strategy. So the diversity, equity, and inclusion. And in fact, in December, our team is participating in a full day DEI workshop. And then we have nine months of focused DEI work that we're calling our DEI Institute. And it's launching with our talent acquisition team first across the organizations. We're really excited about that. So not that DEI has not been important, but we have this new emphasis this year and some new work that TA is able to help support. And we're excited about that. And then within TA itself, we just finished our caregiver engagement survey. Here it's called the caregiver experience survey. And so we have some data on where things are going really well for us and what we should keep doing. And then also where we maybe have some opportunities, even within our talent acquisition team, to help their experience as we go through this process. And so we're working together to come up with what that plan is and then be able to have some regular reporting on the activities we created and what we're doing for all of those and that we hear them and we're asking them for solutions. And somewhat related to that, lastly, we've all been studying a new book that is out there. It's not new. It's new to us around how we create goals and how we prioritize those, because I think everyone is very familiar with the fact that you get to the end of the day and you had good intentions for working on maybe a project or a process improvement and you got nothing done because the regular work ate that up. <laughs> And so what we're really working on as the talent acquisition team is what is that one wildly important goal for talent acquisition that we need to be laser focused on to allow us to prioritize that as part of kind of that daily work that we're doing? What is that one thing we're focused on? And then when we solve that one, we'll create another one wildly important goal that we're working towards. So that's the roadmap ahead of us in talent acquisition over the next year. Not working on anything at all, clearly. Yes. 
That's quite a bit. So that is a, that's a very healthy list. And uh, I love how you finish that with prioritizing. We work with a lot of organizations and that being able to focus and prioritize is something that I consistently run across with a lot of the organizations that are struggling with their performance metrics is saying, well, here are the 19 things we're working on. And when you're working on that many, you're not really working on any of them. And it's so hard in TA. We've both been in TA a long time. It's like, there's so many things going on, so many things that need to be addressed and to be able to really place a bet or a couple bets and then be comfortable kind of still not being the greatest at a few things is really, really challenging. So I get it. And so I applaud you for really committing to helping the team focus on what matters most in those things and not try to address everything. And, And so I think that's really important. I do have a question. So as you looked at your caregiver experience survey and as it related to TA, what are one or two things that kind of came through that are going to be a focus for your team there? What are some things that um, the team felt like, uh, hey, maybe this is an area of, of opportunity for us? Yeah, I think there's a couple of them. So transparently, of course, everyone is always concerned about their own compensation. And when you're a recruiter, of course, you are making offers on a daily basis. So you know what those look like. And oftentimes it's a little more challenging because we're in corporate services and the old analogy of the shoemaker's children where they're making shoes for everyone else except their own kids. We're in that same boat. And so that is one of the things that we intend to address uh, this next year is let's make sure that we are at least market competitive, even within our own ranks within the HR organization, not just talent acquisition. So that's one of the things that, that came up on our survey. One of the other ones for us that's a really good opportunity is the communication between departments. Mm -hmm. So if you're working on, for example, since we're talking about compensation, if you're working on how you calculate compensation, that involves talent acquisition. It also involves your compensation team, might involve compliance, might involve your labor relations team. If you happen to be unionized like we are, certainly involves your HR partner organization. So as you look at some of those, do we have the right channels for communication between those teams. Are the right people involved and engaged in that? And that is something that clearly showed up in our survey as an opportunity. On positive, it seems like people are pretty happy here. We ask a question every year about whether you see yourself being here in three years and and the score was really high, which is great. And we don't want to rely on that to say, well, gosh, that, that score was high. So there's nothing else we can do. Oh, no, there are plenty of things that we can do. And so that is the fact focus. And we are asking the team for input. So we started with the broad overview of what our scores look like. And then each of our different teams are going through their engagement scores and then talking about what they would recommend and what they would like to see us do. And then we're building that plan based upon their input as well. So I think that's really important because as leaders, I think we look to ourselves to solve all of these challenges. And yet without input from the team, are you presenting the right solution? Is that really going to have the impact that you're hoping for? And so I think it's critical that you have to solicit the input from your team. Yeah, that's great. Well, let's uh, finish up here with a, with a question around any advice that you would have for our listeners. And so it could be something that you say to your team, something that, that somebody said to you early on in your career that stuck with you, um, anything that you think would be some advice that would be helpful for, for others that are either in the TA space or interested in the TA space. Yeah, you bet. So I would say advice I would give to myself as well as to others is something that I've heard often. And I think as I talked about all the different challenges and priorities we have ahead of us is the phrase embrace the chaos. And so it often does feel chaotic and difficult to prioritize. And then we have too many things that we would like to solve yesterday. 
And yet the chaos is also where you grow. Getting out of your comfort zone, being uh, comfortable with being uncomfortable, because that is your growth space. That's your opportunity to be able to make things better, to do things differently, to try things you've never tried before. And also to remind yourself that, yes, we'd like to solve every problem yesterday. That's not realistic. And so you really have to focus on, okay, I can make a difference over time. I do need to prioritize that. And I also just have to be okay with the fact that sometimes it's a little more chaotic than I'm comfortable with. And so stepping into that, embracing it, I think is absolutely critical to the growth for talent acquisition professionals and for talent acquisition leaders, for sure. Yeah, that's great advice. Thank you for that, Susan. And thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your journey in in TA. I really appreciate it and appreciate the depth in which you covered it. So thanks a lot. I appreciate it and have a great day. Thank you very much. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Talent Acquisition Leaders Podcast. If something we said today resonated with you, please subscribe, rate, and download our podcast and share the episode with your network. Ready to transform your recruiting practices with leading-edge technology just like our other clients at 3M, Comcast, Stryker, and Walgreens? Then reach out at sagemarkhr.com for a free consultation.